The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Friends in Recovery Podcast, the podcast that is here to help you, a loved one, or a friend get started down the road to recovery. This is the Friends in Recovery Podcast, brought to you by the Genesis House. Genesis House, providing a safe, nurturing environment to heal from addiction since 1992. Please be a friend and share our message with a friend on Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or YouTube. And now, here are your friends in recovery. Hey, welcome everybody. Good afternoon. I am Mike Miles, the Podfather, and I'm podcasting live from Studio 21 in lovely Salem, New Hampshire. Jersey Ed's not here today. Yeah, I don't know. Do we have to change the show title well, to Friend in Recovery? It's nice having a little extra room up here. <laughs> Luckily, I have the uh, producer extraordinaire, Ed Sullivan. Happy to be here. Oh, happy to have you, Ed. Believe me, doing this solo, I don't know if I can do it. We're going to give it a good shot, I'm though. sure you can, Mike. <laughs> you know, and I first want to take this opportunity to thank Genesis House for setting up this podcast in this beautiful studio uh, so we can spread the message of hope every week, which we've been doing now for over a year. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, 14 months, and um, I think we've um, touched many lives, and um, that's what we're about, we're trying to help people. You know, and if you, if you can enjoy, or if you do enjoy the uh, Friends and Recovery podcast, you can join us uh, every week, every Tuesday, 3 o'clock. Um, we hold monthly gatherings in Florida, New Jersey, Massachusetts. And coming soon, check out our Facebook page for updates. We also have a special event coming up. Uh, I think it's in October. Uh, the Friends in Recovery will be participating in the Atlantic City Marathon. Yep, it's in October. And uh, don't worry, there'll be a 5K. <laughs> it says don't worry, so don't I'm not going to worry. worry. <laughs> no, I wouldn't worry at all. I, I'm not worried uh, about I'm you. not doing any, any of these, but Jersey yet will be running the five. No, he's actually running the half marathon. But for um, other people, there is a 5K and a 10K as well. It's going to be a great event for the whole family. Um, looking forward to that. Down in, um, I believe it's down in, um, I know it's in New Jersey. Hmm. I'm not sure where. <laughs> no? Just drive around until no, you find it. Atlantic City. <laughs> it's going to be a great, great event. You, you can follow us on Facebook for updates and subscribe on YouTube. We're always looking to feature new recovery stories and professionals who are taking a fresh approach approach to addiction, treatment, and recovery. Reach out on our Facebook page for more info. Um, you can reach us at friendsandrecovery.com, uh, website, and um, you can notify anybody at Genesis House, speak to... Um, Skyler or Melissa, and I'm sure you'll get lots of help. And we've so, got Skyler's email in the show notes. So we do. All the contact info you, is there. There's some great people down there. Um, I've uh, had the experience of working with clients. <clears throat> excuse me, working with clients that have uh, gone to Genesis House for treatment. And uh, I got to say, I've been in the recovery business for over 30 years, and um, no BS. I've had some great results. Some great. Um, recovery results for well, people that I've, and, I care about and some yeah, people that don't even know. We've been running the alumni series too, so people get a chance to hear from people who were helped by Genesis House. Good point, Ed. You know, that uh, alumni series, uh, we have a guy right now, Bob Cox. Um, 
he won't mind me breaking his anonymity. He, um, he's got a lot going on up here. He's going to be opening a recovery house. Um, when I say recovery, it's going to be a place for recovering alcoholics and addicts, and it's going to be open 24-7, 365, and we're going to have all kinds of events. Uh, Bob's working his butt off trying to raise some funds to, to get this up and running. Um, it's going to be for people in recovery that need a place to go. We're going to have all kinds of alcathons, all kinds of knockathons. It's just going to be a, a really um, innovative new concept but in a way, it's going to be an old concept, like a clubhouse. Now, for me, when I hear Elkathon, I think frat parties, but that can't be what it is. What, what does that involve? That's yeah, pretty good. Um, actually, it's just the opposite. It's, it's a uh, So it'll be a 24-hour meeting. Um, it'll run like from 12 on a Sunday until 12 on a Monday. Usually so, it runs from 12 on a Saturday till 12 so on a Sunday. So people come and go? Yep, and people can come anytime within 24 hours. There'll be speakers around the clock. There'll be refreshments. Um, now, do people take shifts, or it's like one facilitator for 24 <laughs> hours? Good point. Well, usually, there'll be a lot of home groups. And a home group is, say say you go to a meeting at St. Matthew's Church in Lexington. Um, you go every Sunday night. And this is fictitious. I don't think there is a St. Matthew's in Lexington, <laughs> but I'm just using this as an example. Um, so that that group of people that have been attending that meeting, they will send speakers. They will send uh, maybe four or five, six speakers, and they'll mm. come and they'll present. Um, right, and, and then that will group speak. will tend to be there at the time when their home Correct. group is. Yeah. Right, and we'll have groups just around the clock. So it's probably a good chance for people to see different discussions. It certainly Because, is. you know, as I understand it, all meetings are different, so it'll give you a flavor of some others. It certainly is. And, and you know the thing about alcathons, um, like around the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Easter. I mean, people, you know, they get edgy. Um, you know, when you're used to partying, you know, ripping out, you know, being actively involved with alcohol or drugs around the holidays, that's usually a time for uh, well, pe people to really... Yeah, for better or worse, it becomes part of people's traditions. So <laughs> when they think that's the holidays, right. they're right. thinking about past behavior. That's right. So... When you have a place to go, and I've attended many alcathons in my early sobriety. I used to go at Christmas and New Year's, and um, it's just it's it's a, it's a great place to um, to go and, and and get what you need, get your serenity, you know, listen to sober people talk how they're getting through. You know, uh, it's not easy. Sobriety is a tough a tough road, but there's well, a lot of help out there, and that's what we're here for. Yeah, I got you off topic. I mean, what is the topic today? <laughs> I think it was good discussion. But well, people say you know. I have, a, I have a lot of knowledge, um, relevant or irrelevant. <laughs> well, you know, Mike, a guy I used to work with, <laughs> yeah. he said to me, you know what it is about you? I said, no, but I got a feeling you're going to tell me. I told you, right? He said, you've got a Walmart brain. He said, there's a little bit of everything in there, <laughs> but, but none of it's worth much. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I think that's where Ed is today. He's a greeter at Walmart. He couldn't make it today. No, we're going to talk about the... Um, the members of um, the family, non-addicted members of the family, um, you know, and, and Melissa sent over this, um, I, I don't even know how to describe this. This is a chock full of uh, information. And, and, and as a therapist, I get to sit with family members, not just the addict or the alcoholic. I get to sit with the, the parents, the husband, the wife, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, 
sometimes the children or the grandparents. I've sat with them all. And, um, you know, they all play a role in an addict's recovery, you know. Um, you know, and, and this is printed out, and I read it quickly when I, I got here, and it, it just it, it kind of filled my heart because I've played these roles, you know, and, and as a as a, a family member. I've also played these roles as a therapist, you know. And um, it talks about the non-addicted family members. Sometimes they tend to over-function or overcompensate for the addicted family member, for the addict. Yeah. You know, um, parents, spouses, children, siblings, you know, they all may play different roles. They may play the role of the protector, you know. Um, protector is somebody who's gullible, you know, caretaking. You said it earlier, Ed, enabling. Yeah. You know, enabling behavior is so close to love because we love we love the person so much, we might give them a break. We might not tell them like it is. We, we don't have the heart to, to, to tell them no, you know. They need that twenty bucks, or they need they need the car, or they they need they need to go somewhere and get a ride to pick up what they need. You know, um, we see how much they're suffering. So you know, um, it's not it's not a good place to be because it's it's very difficult. You know, uh, when you have an addict that's in your family or somebody that you love and is very near and dear to you, it, it's good to get a professional involved and, and to step aside. Not always easy to right. do, though. And- not always. You know, I've heard it said that especially men mm-hmm. take on the role of wanting to fix everything sure. instead of sometimes just knowing that listening is enough. Absolutely. But, you know, I think this isn't something that people can fix by themselves. Sure. And mothers, you know, mothers, a mother's love is nothing stronger. There's, there's nothing, I, and I firmly believe this. I see women walking with two children, three children, you know, I just say, God bless them. I don't know how they do it. And they got to live their regular life, too. I mean, they have to take care of themselves, and they have three little children to, to, to care for, you know. Um, you know, other parts, other people that are involved in the addict's recovery is, um, you know, it could be a family member again or someone close and, and called the persecutor, you know, someone who's always controlling, always angry, distant, believes that the punishment will fix the problems. In other words, you're grounded, you're not going out, and I'm not giving you any money, you're not using the car, so therefore you're not going to use. Well. That doesn't work, you know. You know, this person, right. this person, the persecutor can also become isolated, angry, distant. Just stay away, you know. Get pissed off, basically, and, and not want to be involved. You know, and that's not a good place to be. Um, but it, it happens. And when it does happen, you know, you can't beat yourself up. It's very frustrating to try to, to work with someone in recovery because lots of times addicts and alcoholics, they want to quit. They want to stop. They just yeah. don't know how. You know, they have the best intentions, and they just don't, they don't know how. Uh, then you have the blamer, and this is someone who avoid, avoids taking responsibility by scapegoating and projecting blame onto others. And again, you know, it's, uh, you know, a husband telling a wife, you know, if you weren't so good to him or you weren't so good to her, he wouldn't have this problem. Right. So it's the addicted person who becomes a blamer. Their problem is that too. caused sure. by it. So it can sure. work both ways. Absolutely. Sure. I've sat at meetings, and I've heard people get up <laughs> and talk about the police in their town. Now, you know I was a policeman for 35 years, and the person from the podium in recovery will be speaking and say, if I didn't know all the cops in my town, I would have got sober five years before because right. they always gave me a break. They always let me go, you know, and um, 
You know, he's he's playing. He's right. she's playing the blame. And Everything out. would have been fine if somebody had arrested me. <laughs> right, right. And and the other side of that, when you do arrest him, then you hear, "Geez, that's my son." You know, didn't you know that was my son? That was my daughter. You arrested. You know, back in the day, Ed, honestly, when I first became a cop in 1980, um, drunk driving. Lots of times we, we would have people park their vehicles. I, we'd pull them over. They'd be drunk. And I know when I yeah when sure. I was in high school in the 70s. Yeah, the the police serve more as an escort to get you home safely. Absolutely. And sometimes they'd say, okay, I'm going to follow you. Sure. <laughs> Just follow you right. home. And drive kids home, take them home to their parents. You catch them drinking. Um, that's how That was the norm back then. In Massachusetts, I think it happened in 87, 88. It's called the Ware, W-A-R-E decision. And basically in Ware, Massachusetts, two cops stop a woman. She's driving recklessly. She's about a half mile from her house. Um, they give her a s- citation, a ticket. And they knew she had a few drinks, but she lived right around the bend. They let her go. And as she drove around the bend, she hit a car head on and killed right. people. Um, the, the ticket. So, so at that point, at that point, it, it takes the discretion out of the cops. Exactly. Hands, you know, they become liable exactly. for whatever happens. Right. Some, some smart attorney, and they're not all smart, but yeah. most of them are. He found this six-way, the ticket, and he said, hey, we got a lawsuit here. These cops, the town of Ware, millions of dollars to yeah. the poor family that were killed. If it was your family or my family, we'd want rep- reparations. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, so after the Ware decision, it took the guesswork. When you got somebody that was <laughs> yeah. under the influence, you arrested them. I, I don't think you had a choice at right. that and point. And you didn't, you know, and, and you, you heard, you know, you heard a lot <laughs> from people that you did. If you, if you work in a city that you grew up in, you know, it was very difficult. I think we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back. Podcast. Genesis House is a premier substance abuse and rehabilitation facility located in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. We have been providing the highest quality of addiction treatment since 1992 and are accredited by the Joint Commission. We offer a range of programs that include detox, residential treatment, dual diagnosis, a Christian track for people who want to incorporate their faith into treatment, a uniform services track, and we work with most major insurance carriers. Genesis House is led by a dedicated team of administrative and clinical professionals, and we stand on our commitment to excellence in recovery services. Contact us today to find out more about our program. Take the first step and call Genesis House at 800-737-0933 or visit us on the web at www.genesishouse.net. That's 800-737-0933 or www.genesishouse.net. Begin your journey to a long and successful recovery with Genesis House. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Friends of Recovery Podcast. My good friend, Ed Sullivan, producer extraordinaire. Just keeping you company today. Yes, Ed. Jersey Ed, not with us today. He's greeting at a Walmart down in New Jersey. <laughs> He's good at that. Shows everybody his tattoos. He does a nice job. <laughs> he does a great job. He's a friendly guy. <laughs> um, we were talking about different roles people play in recovery for addicts and uh, alcoholics. And, um, you know, th- this is very interesting. Melissa sent this over and, and reading this, um, it makes a lot of sense. It talks about um, intergener- intergenerational trauma and it 
basically talks about maladaptive coping skills and strategies in patients frequently are a result of the traumatic events experienced by previous generations of patients' families, a phenomenon known as either intergenerational trauma or just family trauma. You know, there are patterns of coping mechanisms, beliefs, emotional responses, and ways to navigate things personally that are passed from generation to generation. This can be directly or indirectly. And it says here, a classic example is looking at survivors of the Holocaust, then taking a look at how the children and grandchildren of these survivors have developed coping mechanisms. And what, what a great concept, um, sad, sad, sadly but true. Um, I've known people, I think of Nathan, Sally, Burke, B-I-R-K-E, who owned a store in Lowell, Massachusetts, a clothing store, high-end clothing, and they had all very successful children. And they were both um, Polish Jews that came here, you know, to escape the um, the Holocaust. Yeah. And just to sit and talk with Mr. Burke, Nathan, gruff, gruff, smart, um, just a just a great guy, like opening a history book, sitting down. I used to walk a beat, and I'd go in and talk to him, and he was had the Yiddish accent. What you want? Come sit down. <laughs> well, it's better, relax, relax. How many girlfriends you have? How many cars you own? He'd, he'd always want to talk about your personal life. But I would ask him about the Holocaust and, and how bad it was, you yeah. know? And then I get to know his children. His daughter's a therapist. She's an author. She's She was my therapist. She helped me get to where I'm at today. Suzanne Burke, uh, known also as Shiva Burke. And she, without a doubt, is probably the the one person who I, I can say um, showed me what sobriety was about and how to get there and how to cope with all the problems I had with it, the anxiety, the panic, the fear, everything else that went along with it. And um, she would tell me stories about her parents and, and what they went through as well, you know. But her ability to cope with people's problems. Yeah. And her, her brother was a, a district attorney in New York, Another job where you work with people. I mean, so when I read this today, I thought of the Burks, and, and I thought about, you know, the, um, the <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me, the um, intergenerational trauma and, and, and how it is passed on from, um, from generation to generation. And um, Well, you know, I don't know if you ever listened to Howard Stern's show. All the time. Yeah, so he likes to say that his mother who grew up with some of that just instilled mm-hmm. fear in him right, you know right. at, from a young age sure. so he became you know a fearful person where the world is going to do bad things sure, to you sure <laughs> well you know we watch what's going on to, in today's world and, and you know uh, if you are a <laughs> if you are a conservative young adult or young you know young adult or an older teenage conservative you, you, you're treading in dangerous waters if you wear a mega hat Make you know, make America great again, or if you support the Trump administration, um, you know, some bad people out there. You know, I look at this as the the <laughs> the other side of it. The the, the more liberal uh, people, they're supposed to be the generation uh, of love and kindness and understanding, and and they are until it comes to um, politics. <laughs> to politics, right? <laughs> and uh, some bad things going on out there. But I I also look at us. You're you're an Irishman, um, yeah, Sullivan, um, and I think. What the Irish went through with England for, for centuries, yeah, you know, and then in 1917 there, there was an uprising, you know, bloody bloody Sunday, you know, yeah. U2 sings a song about it, 
you know, um, and I heard all the stories as a kid, you know, about the Brits and what they took, the land, and the, they talk yeah. about the potato famine. The famine was, there might have been a famine, but more importantly, they were starved systematically yep. so they could get give up their land. No, they, the, the historical aspect is fascinating, right? Because certainly. if you look at the children yep. or parents who grew up mm-hmm. in the Depression, it, they're very different in how they approach things certainly. because that's what they learned over time, you know. Right. You can't be out wasting money on things. Correct. And, you know, um, when, when I read this today, I thought of that. And, and I don't know who wrote this. There's no uh, no credits. There's no preference to who wrote this. But, um, you know, for the addict or the alcoholic who's out there sick and suffering or the family members, you know, there is hope. There is help. You know, you can call the number that's been going across the screen. You can contact me um, at 978-459-4884. That's my office, 24-7. I might not answer the phone right away, but I will get back to you within a very reasonable time, within hours, actually, um, sometimes minutes. You know, there's no need to play one of these roles, even though you're probably playing one right now. You know, um, it's hard. Love and enabling, uh, they go hand in hand, Yeah. you know. Enabling is not a bad word. It's just you don't want to be an enabler. You don't want to love somebody to well, death. People don't want to see their loved ones suffer, mm-hmm. so they do what they think is sure. going to be helpful to them. Correct. And I've, I've been in um, I've been in the shoes of of, of um, both sides. You know, I'm a recovering addict, alcoholic. I've been sober quite a while. I'm very fortunate. I have friends. I have good friends and family members. Um, and um, I, I worked hard. I worked hard to get where I'm at today, and and I'm proud of myself. But I also know that I, this is a gift. If I want to, if I want to keep this gift, I have to give it away. And I think that's a good point. You know, you've got friends who support you. Sometimes people feel hopeless because they get to a point where they've driven their friends away. Sure, <laughs> right. So Certainly. they've lost just by virtue of being an addict. They lost whatever support system they had. Sure. And I think for them, especially. There's help out there. Absolutely. It's not your family. It's trained professionals. Right. And when I look at a place like Genesis House, um, they have unbelievable trained professionals. F- from f- from the people that answer the phone to the people that will tell you all about it to the clinicians to the owners, um, I've met them. And, and yep. i got to tell you, the, the, the heart's in the right place. And, you, you know, know, I think the other important thing is in any of these situations, one size doesn't fit all. If Absolutely. you try something right. and it doesn't work for you, try something else. Sure. As they say in AA, or they used to say before political correctness <laughs> came, there's a wrench for every nut, you know? <laughs> no, if they had to revise a lot of sayings, <laughs> yeah. Mike? Or? Oh, I'm sure they have. Well, they, we used to be able to smoke in meetings, you know? It, it, they don't do that anymore. But I just want to read one last sentence here. It says, when loved ones enter treatment, it is beneficial for every member of the family to access all all of the resources they can, especially when they have a break to do so, when they have a moment, when you have a moment, when, you, when you're at the end of your ropes and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, there's individual therapy, you know, you can go online, you can look anywhere, you can call us, you can, you can for yourself, for your own self-being, if you're not an addict or an alcoholic and you're a parent, you know, well, or a caretaker. There's Alan on. There's yeah, Alan teen and because for your teenagers. The, the families, um, I think, would often feel a lot of resentment, and you know, they got to work through 
the issues Absolutely. they have with the person who's in recovery. Absolutely. And this is what this is all about. I really believe that this is a very um, – I'm going to use this for my own for my own practice. I'm going to try to make it a little shorter. But <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> to make some cards out of this because it's, it's so important to know what roles – People play, you know. I do a geneogram with with families when I get them in, and and this is very, along, uh, very much along the lines of a geneogram, and, and very helpful. Again, I want to thank Genesis House um, for all they do, and I want to thank you, Ed Sullivan. My pleasure, Mike. And Jersey Ed, wherever you are, I hope you're having a good time. Thanks for stiffing me. <laughs> See you next week. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.